John chapter 20, verses 19 through 31. That Sunday evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing there among them. Peace be with you, he said. As he spoke, he showed them the wounds in his hands and his sides. They were filled with joy when they saw the Lord. Again, he said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. One of the twelve disciples, Thomas, nicknamed the twin, was not with the others when Jesus came. They told him, We have seen the Lord. But he replied, I won't believe it unless I see the nail wounds in his hands, put my fingers into them, and place my hand into the wound in his side. Eight days later, the disciples were together again, and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained. Then Jesus told them, You believe because you have seen me. Blessed are those who believe without seeing me. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. We think about what's happened in the life of the disciples and the life of Jesus over the past week, two weeks. We had Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. We had Easter Sunday where we celebrated, and they celebrated that he'd risen again from that grave, from that tomb. But then they were afraid. The disciples were afraid of what might be coming, what might be happening. After all, they were a follower of the one that was put to death on a cross, who was innocent of all wrongdoing. Never in his life had done anything that he needed to ask forgiveness for because he was a perfect man. Perfect enough to walk on water and none of us can do that. The disciples were afraid. They were afraid of what the world around them was going to have to do. They locked themselves in the room so that no one could get to them. And then, all of a sudden, there appeared their Messiah. They didn't say that he knocked on the door. They didn't say that he rang the doorbell. They didn't say that he hollered, it's me, let me in. What happened was he appeared. He appeared. Showing another miracle. The disciples had been with him for three years. They had seen miracle after miracle after miracle after miracle. They were in amazement and awe at what the power of God could do through this man called Jesus. And another time he just appears. When did he appear? When they needed him the most. When they needed him the most. Fear grips us sometimes. 
Fear grips us, it grips our heart, it grips our minds, and, and we, we, we begin to be afraid of, of what can happen. What if this bad thing happened? What if this bad thing happened? And fear sets in. When fear sets into our lives, when fear sets into us, it begins to control us. And there are many, many things that we are afraid of. Many things that we're afraid of. Big old fat guy like me and I'm scared to death of a mouse. At Ranger this morning, there was something in the balcony and it wasn't the choir. We kind of cut it a little bit short because no one was paying a bit of attention to me. They were all looking over in that balcony, seeing what was going to come over that wall or something. And I was looking myself. But fear strikes us. Fear controls us. Fear puts us into a place that we don't want to be. Fear put the disciples into this room and they locked the doors and that's not where they wanted to be. Their Lord, their Messiah had been risen, had risen from the dead and they should be out celebrating. Instead, they were afraid that they were going to be next. They were going to be next. When Jesus appeared, first thing he told them was peace be with you. When he appeared, he brought them peace. When we're in our most trying, terrifying moments in our life, if we will look for Jesus, he will tell us, peace be with you. If we will look for him in in those things that bring that fear to us, that fear that we're going to lose something, we're going to lose control of something, we're going to lose uh, power, we're going to lose family, whatever it may be that we're afraid we're going to lose. If we will look at Jesus, he will say, peace be with you, because he's got it under control. He's got it under control. It may be not, maybe it's not the control that we want it to be, but he has it under control. And what better place, what better person to have under have the control of our lives than Jesus Christ? And he would want to tell us, peace be with you. Nothing, all this stuff doesn't matter. Peace be with you. Peace. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares who? The Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to do what? To give you a future with what? With hope. So peace be with you. He's given us the hope. He's promised us that hope. Sometimes our phone rings and We look at it, and if it's a certain family members, we get knots in our stomach because we don't know what's happened next. We don't know what has happened next. We don't know what is going on in the life that, that, that they're calling us at this time. Sometimes to say, what you doing? And sometimes it's to Let us have whatever bad news is happening in their life. And we have to learn to look to Jesus and ask him for that peace. For our children. For our grandchildren. 
for our mothers and our fathers, for our brothers and sisters, for our church, for our community, for our workplaces. We need to remember to look to Jesus for the peace that he will give to us. And then Thomas is not there. I know I've told you all this story before, but when we adopted Daniel and Michelle, our oldest, oldest kids, 30 years ago or so, a lady in the church, very spiritual lady, she said, what are their names before we got them? We were telling them we were going to go pick them up on Wednesday. Well, what are their names? And we said, well, Michelle's name is, is Michelle Sean. Well, I don't know anything about Sean, but Michelle, that's Michael. That's a powerful name. Well, what are you, what's the little boy's name? Well, his name is Daniel Thomas. Daniel, oh my goodness, think of the greatness of Daniel the king and Thomas. I don't know too much about that one. You know, Daddy Thomas? But you know what? Thomas was no different than you or I. If we had not been in that room that first Sunday that, that, that Jesus appeared, didn't knock on the door, remember, he appeared. If we had not been there and someone came and, and y'all came to me and you said, you said, preacher, we were all locked in, in, in the fellowship hall and Jesus just appeared. Well, hopefully at the point that I'm at in my life, I would say, praise the Lord. But probably I would say, what y'all been drinking? <laughs> Thomas comes in. Well, they go to Thomas. They tell him what happened. He says, I don't believe it. Well, it wasn't too long before Jesus appeared again. First thing he said was what? Peace be with you. Peace be with you. Christ wants to bring us peace. We don't let him. We keep the struggles in our hearts and the struggles in our mind because that's the way we live our lives day to day. That's the way the world is. We keep those struggles in our minds and and, and, and our hearts and we don't let him give us the peace that he wants to give us. And then he said, Thomas, Here are my hands. Feel the holes in my hands. Take your hand and put it into my side. Because he says, I am real. I am as real to you as you are to anyone else. If we just believe. He said, here I am. Look at me. Touch me. Feel me. Feel the scars that are in my hands and my side for you, Thomas. We need sometimes to feel those scars. We need to feel those scars. We need to see the the pain that Christ went through because he did it for you and for me. We need to feel that pain. We need to see that pain because he is wanting to bring us comfort and peace and healing. And sometimes we just have to feel those scars. What did Thomas do? He did not reach out his hand. He did the strongest thing he could possibly do. And he said, my Lord and my God. 
my Lord and my God. Jesus breathed upon them and the Holy Spirit filled them. Now we're not talking about Pentecost yet. We're not talking about the upper room where where all the people, the nosy neighbors were looking in to see what was happening. And seeing fire falling on the shoulders of the people and hearing them speaking their own language. The language of those that the, the people speaking did not understand. We're not to that point yet. We're talking about a peaceful filling of the Holy Spirit. In the lives of the followers. Christ wants to give you that peaceful filling of the Holy Spirit. He wants to give you that power. He wants to breathe upon each one of you that power and that filling of the Holy Spirit so that you can continue on the journey that He has put for you. He has that plan for you and that plan is not for you to be harmed. That plan is for you to have a life filled with hope. Hope for tomorrow. Hope for your journey. Had two amazing things happen to me this week. The first one happened Thursday at class. And this young man who wasn't doing real well because he had missed the first quiz that we had and had not bothered to come and ask me if he could make it up. Um, I gave him their grades, an average of their grades before they're going into their final. And he had asked me the week before, why is my grade so low? I said, do you remember you missed um, your final? I mean, the, the quiz. He said, oh, yeah. And he said, can I make it up? And I said, I'll let you make it up. I said, Thursday, I'm going to give you the same quiz, and I'll let you make it up. So Thursday, he stayed after class, and he took the quiz and, and made great on it. Brought his average up way up. And he um, said, do you have a minute? I said, Sure. He said, Mr. Phillips, I have not been in church in years. Now, I'm teaching a comparative religion class. We're, we're learning about Muslims. We're learning about um, Buddhists. We're learning about, about, about the Jewish people. We're learning about Christianity. You know, this is not a class that I just go and say, y'all need to be in church. You know, he said, I haven't been in church in years. This young man is 20 years old. And he said, there's no reason except that our lives got too busy. We were involved in sports, and we started doing sports. We started doing all these things, and, and so we just got too busy to be in church. He said, I don't like church anymore. And we talked a little bit. And in my mind, this was going through my mind, that God's got a calling on this young man's life. Don't know what it is. But God's got a calling, and he was placed in this comparative religion class for a reason. Because... Nobody signs up for it. They're put in it. And he was put there for a reason. Every semester there's been at least one student that their life has been changed because of that class. We talked a little bit. And it's going through my mind that this young man has a calling upon his life. Soon he says, I think God's calling me. For something. And my jaw drops. I said, that's exactly what's going through my mind. I cannot believe that you said that. He said, I don't know what it is. And I said, let me tell you, the first step you've got to make is you've got to get yourself back into the body of believers. 
You've got to get yourself back into the body of believers. I said, I want you to come to church. He said, I don't like church. And I said, well, then go to a church that you think that you, that you might could, could fit in. Go somewhere where you can worship the Lord. And you can be around that body of believers that will hold you up and lift you up and encourage you. He started to walk out the door and he turned around and looked at me. And he said, Mr. Phillips, I'm at the, I'm at the podium in the front. And he's at the back door. He's Mr. Phillips. And I said, yeah. And he said, I don't like church. And I said, well, let me tell you, have I got a deal for you? You come on Wednesday nights, nothing like any church you've ever been. And then you can get, and you can get involved there. And then you will be wanting to get back into regular worship. And you want to be get back into a regular time of being together with people. He walked out the door and come back and just stopped and looked at me. And I said, 5.30. He said, I'll see you Wednesday. I don't know if he'll be here. But God uses each one of us in ways that we could not dream. He uses us in ways that we cannot imagine that why, how could he even use me? Someone just told me the other day and said, do you know about David? Not this David. King David. Do you know about David? I said, yeah. I said, he was a bad dude. Yeah, he was. He was bad. But God used him. God used him. We don't know when God is using us. We don't know the impact that we're going to make on somebody's life. I would have never dreamed of this young man that sat in the back of class. That I would ever in any way make an impact on his life. But somehow I have. Another young man came. Hadn't seen him in a long time. Young man had made me angry. He had hurt me. I didn't really care a whole lot if I saw him anymore. The doorbell rang at the Parsons the other day. And Sandy went to the door, and I had just gotten home, and I was in the bedroom, and Sandy went to the door, and she, I heard her say, well, hello. And she came and told me that he was here. And when I walked around the corner, all of the anger and the hurt left. I embraced him, and we cried. He said, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. At that moment, he reached into his pocket. And he went like this. He said, take this. I said, what is it? He said, take it. I reached my hand out and he opened it up. He dropped into my hands a bag of his drug of choice. He said, I got to have help. I need Jesus. I got busy and worked hard. Trying to find him a place that he could get help. The only impact 
that I could have with this young man's life was for him to see my life. People watch us. They know what we say. They know the words that we use. They know the, 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 the attitudes that we have. We have the opportunity to be the biggest blessing that anybody could ever have if we will just let ourselves be filled with the breath of the Holy Spirit. Let Him give us the power to live our life, to choose our words, to say those things that are not hurtful to anybody, but to say those things that will bring peace and love to those that are hurting and don't know Jesus. God uses us to impact lives and we can choose to impact them in negative ways or positive ways. God uses us to bring people into the sanctuary, the safe place of his dwelling, or he uses us to push them away. He doesn't, the devil does. Which are we going to choose? Are we going to choose to be be filled with the breath of the Holy Spirit and have the power that comes from on high? Are we going to choose that? Are we going to choose to just live our life in our own little corner and do our best to not make an impact on somebody? I don't want to teach at Ranger College. I don't like teaching at Ranger College. I have quit teaching every semester at Ranger College. And every semester, God has placed someone in that class that I have made a difference because I love them and I encourage them. Several people have told me recently, you're not there to teach. You're there to love them. We are here to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not talking about the spirit of tongues. And I'm not talking about the, the, all the, the, the hoopla that, that came on Pentecost Sunday. I'm, not talk, I'm talking about the quiet filmness of the Holy Spirit that day that Jesus was with his followers. It says he breathed on them the Holy Spirit. What do we choose? What do we choose? Do we choose to take that breath? And let the Holy Spirit fill us with all the power that the Holy Spirit can give to us that we can live our life that changes the life of somebody else. I went yesterday. I'll be working in Mayus Walk. The first of May. It's a men's walk, by the way. We still would love to have you sign up if you haven't been on our Mayus Walk. And I used in the talk that I presented to them, I used the example and the testimony of the young man that came to my house. Out of 41 men in that room that were there for the team meeting, five of them came up to me and they told me, that was my drug of choice. That was my drug of choice. And the Lord delivered me 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago. And I've never turned back. 
If this young man needs somebody to talk to, give him my number. I told him, a lot of us have addictions. We're addicted to lots of things. I would not be the size that I am now if I did not have an addiction. Some of us are addicted to work. That's not my problem. Some of us are addicted to alcohol. Some of us are addicted to sex, pornography. Some of us are addicted to ourselves. And God wants to deliver us from all of them. I spoke with his wife. And I said, I told him that he's not the only one that has addictions. But he doesn't have to go to where he knows he can get his drug of choice. And she said to me, just like you don't have to go to the donut shop. Touche, she got me. God wants to deliver us as a church, as Christians, from ourselves, from those things that can come against us, and those things that will come between us and our walk and the journey that he has filled with hope. God wants to deliver us. But will we let Jesus Christ Breathe the Holy Spirit upon us. Will we let Jesus Christ breathe the Holy Spirit upon us? Or do we like living in our bondage? The last verse said those who believe in me. Those who believe in me. Do we believe in him? Do we trust him? Do we think he can change us? Or do we want to be changed? Do we want our hearts to be molded? Do we want to let him have those things that we struggle with every single day? I think one of the things that has my biggest addiction is worry. Man, I love to worry. What if? What if the worst happens? And I want to walk the walk that shows it's not going to happen. What if the best happens? What if we were a church? What if you were a Christian that moved forward in your life? Knowing that God had breathed upon you the power of the Holy Spirit. That your life will make a difference because someone is watching you. Someone is hearing your words. They're hearing your voice. Are we bringing them in? Or are we pushing them out? The Holy Spirit is being breathed upon us. Receive the Holy Spirit today.